Disney Plus has given us a lot of great shows recently, and while I've watched all of them, I realize I never actually spoke about any of them, or even made, like, a fleeting reference. I'm excluding WandaVision from that, because I talked about that way too much. So today I'm going to be talking about one of my favorites that has been produced, one which I hope will get a second season, uh, or just something more in order to expand the universe, because this show wasn't really a show I was expecting to enjoy so much, and it really just kind of grew on me. I honestly thought it'd be something that would just pass and I wouldn't watch it again and again, but this thing stuck to me like a bad cough, and I've been obsessed with it since. A lot of these episodes have like struck this chord in me where I both wanted them to be super canon, but I also didn't want them to be canon because then that pain and misery is real. So if you can't guess, today I'm ranking what if episodes. Before we start, I would like to say these are just my opinions. If you have anything to add to this, please feel free to email me your thoughts at geokris1234 at gmail.com. That is G-I-A-K-R-I-S-1234 at gmail.com. There will be spoilers ahead, so if you've not watched this show and are planning to, this is not the episode for you. And without further ado, let's get started. Uh, at number nine, I'm going to go from least favorite to most favorite. We have the very first episode. This was the what if Captain America or the first Avenger or whatever. Um, it was the episode with... The big change being Peggy Carter received the Super Soldier Serum instead of Steve Rogers. All in all, good episode, okay? I think maybe it's because it was a whole episode about Peggy, because Peggy has always been a character that I've had a love-hate relationship with. Like, she's great in the MCU, but comic Peggy was a red flag in all the ways that mattered, and I really wanted more screen time for Sharon, because, you know, Sharon had, like, probably about five minutes per like two movies so probably 10 minutes total and then she only really got expanded upon in the Falcon and the winter soldier and even then not that much so i wasn't really happy with the fact that they had peggy carter have this huge timeline um i've also it was i'm i'm not a huge fan of Haley atwell just because of her behavior with emily van camp and those like toxic stands so I wasn't really happy with the fact that they gave her more screen time because it should have been over by then. Um, also, I think another reason is it was the first episode. I realized that for a lot of these shows, my least favorite episodes tend to be the first ones that they put out because I just need more development. Um, the whole episode just made the two switch places rather than just have there be more implications for the relationship in the future. It's like if the, the plot's implications to me weren't super intriguing. Um, part of the reason that I liked that Steve was the one who took the serum was because his character isn't very strong in the first place. Like, his personality is someone who wants to help, but he's never taken seriously, and he also hasn't learned how to fight. Like, that's not something that he learned. Peggy has a similar issue in the episode with being a woman, especially a woman in the army, but again, the difference is that their personalities are inherently different, because Peggy already had a leadership trait that was very, like, innate in her, whereas we witnessed Steve grow into the leadership position. Um, I find it a very weird plot line that Bucky and Ava became Winter Soldier. Like, good for you that you never had to go through all that trauma, but, like, you play a really prominent role in the future. So I don't know how I feel about that. Um, I loved the Howard Stark presence. I know he's a terrible dad. He's annoying in the future. But him in this episode was the best comedic relief that could have existed. Um, seeing Steve be pre-serum, that kind of fills my heart with something. But other than that, I didn't really feel that much for the episode. Again, it's still a really good episode. It's just the other ones were better for me. At number eight, we have What If Killmonger Rescued Tony Stark. The premise of this episode was that Tony never got captured in the first movie and he was saved by Killmonger. The pair become close, but it ultimately ends with Killmonger killing him and assuming the throne of Wakanda. I actually really like that premise. I think it's a very 
you know, interesting way of going about, you know, Tony Stark's plotline and also how that affects Wakanda's plotline. But the reason it's so low is because the one of the first things that Killmonger does in the episode is kill T'Challa. And I cannot stand for that. Like, at at all. Um, T'Challa has been a character that I wasn't expecting to love so much um, because, you know, I thought, you know, he's like, he's great. Don't get me wrong. I didn't think he was going to become a a comfort character. Um, But he did. And a lot of the characters in that movie became comfort characters for me. Black Panther is one of my most rewatched Marvel movies. So Akwe and T'Challa are specifically characters I hold way too close to my heart for it to, to like, to the point where it's not healthy. Um, While Killmonger has the right idea, that man's execution was the furthest thing from precise. So, yeah, that's the one thing I can't get behind. The episode centers on him hatching a plot to kill Tony Stark back when he was an arms dealer and problematic and ignorant to the suffering of the people and all that. And while I agree with that, it just makes me sad that that universe doesn't get to witness the character development of Tony Stark because the implications of that would be absolutely terrifying. There's no Avengers. Thanos would probably succeed. Um, There's no take backs. Peter wouldn't become the Spider-Man he is today. So that would be no homecoming, far from home, no way home. Um, And Morgan wouldn't exist. That is my one pill that I'm dying on is that that child is actually that that child is one of the only kids in television that I think like I have a connection to and she wouldn't exist. Uh, The point is without Tony, a lot of pieces wouldn't have fallen into place for the rest of the MCU. So yeah, I am a Killmonger apologist in the way that I agreed with his intentions. But again, the way he handled all this business, not something I can get behind. Uh, This episode is ranked low for those reasons. And the only reason I kind of liked it like i the only thing i liked that came out of it was the team up between shuri and pepper at the very end because pepper has gotten zilt screen time whenever tony's mentioned and this episode was so nice because i got to see her again i do not like gwyneth paltrow but pepper potts is one of the first female marvel characters i saw so my love for her is way too immense to put into words so i just love her you can't stop me at number seven we have what if ultron won You're going to think I'm a psychopath for thinking this, but I actually found this episode to be hilarious. Um, It's very bleak and dark and all that, but the way that Ultron as a character is addressed in the episode is super funny. Um, The episode centers on the main change of the Avengers not being successful in killing Ultron in Age of Ultron. So this means his consciousness is now in Vision's body and the world has been overtaken by Ultron wannabes. The two characters that are focused on in the episode are Natasha and Clint, but they're both not the Avengers that we know and love. Like, Natasha, I think, is relatively the same. She's very snarky. You know, she has that signature, like, Black Widow charm, but Clint himself as a, like, has changed. Like, he's tired. He doesn't want to be a hero anymore. Again, this is a world where the human race has either been killed or run off the surface. So his family is most likely dead. And again, what we've known about Clint is that he's a very family-oriented person. Uh, The episode ends with him sacrificing himself in order to save Natasha and the object they came to retrieve. I think it was like a flashlight with a code code on it. I'm not sure. And no one was there to see me cry. So there's no proof that it happened and you can't tell me I did. But maybe my face was wet with something resembling tears. Maybe it was. What are you going to do about it? Um, Ultron as a character wasn't super present. It was more of his clones trying to kill them, but him as a character, as the main villain, like, that's pretty OP because he does show up later and he just doesn't die in this episode. I find that really cool. Uh, this, this kind of, 
this ranking is going to be really short because um, it's kind of obvious the reasons I like it. But number six, we have What If T'Challa Became Star-Lord. Uh, there's at this, it's at this spot because it's an episode I watched. I didn't really get anything taken away from it, but I did get two things from it. Uh, T'Challa is funnier than we give him credit for, and Nebula with hair is a cultural reset. Uh, this is also the first time in the entire series that, you know, we got to hear Chadwick Boseman, like his voice, and I don't know, something about hearing him made me feel like a bit nostalgic and just kind of like choked up because I he, that that man did so much for like the MCU. I don't need, I can't speak as someone who was affected by Black Panther because again, I'm not someone who's being represented in that movie. But still, I know he touched a lot of people and it just makes me really choked up to like think that that's one of the first times and the last times we're going to see him in What If. Uh, also, the amount of edits I've seen of Nebula in this episode is insane. Like that woman makes me feel things I don't want to feel because A, not real, like she's not a real person. And B, if she did, if she was real and she met me, she would probably kill me on the spot because I'm annoying. Uh, the main antagonist, I think, in this was the Collector, and it's cool to see the Collector be horrifying because every rendition I've seen of him isn't that scary or intimidating. So, yeah, those are the main reasons I like this episode. Um, altogether, pretty cool. It's, like, not my favorite, but it's not my least- it's not the worst. At number five, we have What If the Watcher Broke His Oath. This is probably the creepiest episode, um, because there's, I think, there's either a moment in- what if Ultron won or in this episode where Vision Ultron just turns to the Watcher and he says, I can see you. And I uh, felt very called out because there's a lot of weird fourth wall breaks in this episode. So the Watcher ends up intervening because no one likes being called out and he like understands that Ultron, like this universe is getting, it's going to get destroyed. So he enlists a bunch of people that we've seen in previous episodes, including Gamora, Black Widow from the Ultron episode, Captain Carter, Thor, Star-Lord, aka Star-Lord, like, as in T'Challa, um, Strange Supreme or Dark Steven, and Killmonger from the Tony Stark episode. I've realized a lot of people ship Nat with anyone who has the shield, because I've, I've never been an avid Roman Rodgers, like, shipper. I don't think I've really shipped Nat with anyone because she just has chemistry naturally, so there was no point. But the chemistry between Captain Carter and both versions of Nat, like, both her version of Nat and dystopian Nat... It's amazing. Uh, there's also this very deep introspective from Dystopian Nat about how the Watcher just observes these people like they're some sort of TV show. And did it make me a little uncomfy because the Watcher can be used for as an allegory for the people watching What If? Yes, because she's right. We do like to watch her be in pain for some reason. Um, the episode was super quote-worthy. Everything about it was really cool. I would love to hear more about the alternative Avengers just because it has a very unstable Doctor Strange and... It has Killmonger, a man who is known for being incredibly morally gray and not loyal to his team. Tell me more. Uh, this episode was just crack. It's what if Thor was an only child. This is at number four. Um, that's all this episode was. It was just crack. It was crack cocaine. Uh, with no Loki being jealous of his brother, Thor didn't really have to prove anything or work for anything. He didn't have that much conflict in his life, so he didn't learn to take responsibility, leading to an epic party on Earth with disastrous results. Um, there was a brawl between Thor and Captain Marvel, which was amazing, okay? Um, I don't understand the conflict between Thor's stands, Wanda's stands, and Captain Marvel's stands. Like, the point is all three characters are very strong and powerful. That's what matters. So, like, why do we want them to fight each other and argue about who would win? Isn't it, like, better to watch them team up and completely demolish people? Like, 
it's weird for me because I'm in all three categories. So I'm just watching people argue about characters that I love. And I'm like, why? Like, that doesn't make any sense. They all have strong strengths and weaknesses. So why do we care? Uh, also, relationship between Loki and Thor in this episode, everything. Because Loki doesn't grow up feeling neglected. And he was actually raised with, like, like in Jotunheim. So he grew up to be someone who had, like, good self-image. Like, he thinks, like, yeah, I'm... I'm that bitch. Like, he already thinks that. But, like, you know, he doesn't... I don't know. Something about it just makes me happy. He actually likes Thor. They, he doesn't grow to like him. He, like, likes them and they're, like, best friends. Um, there aren't any real reasons why I like this episode. But I think it's just higher up on the list because it's just a good time. Like, it's very funny. I was smiling the entire time. Sometimes you need a breather from all the bleak realities that are occurring around you. And that's just what this episode gives me. At number three, we have What If Zombies. I love a good zombie flick. Um, I've never watched Walking Dead, but I'll, some of the movies that I love um, include Train to Busan and Army of the Dead, which both have a zombie element in it. Uh, this episode just had a bunch of heroes in it. It was like there was an era of editing dedicated to it. It was just all zombie Wanda, who, may I say, is still a bad bitch even though she's dead. Um, there's more WandaVision content. We got Scott and Hope. Scott and Hope were in the episode, and the fact that Scott was in the episode was enough to make my heart sink because maybe he was just a disembodied head. But that is okay with me, as long as he's in it. Um, we had a callback to the homecoming Peter Parker vlogging sort of thing where he was making a video about, like, how to survive a zombie attack, and he was absolutely adorable. Um, we also got Kurt Connors as a character, which isn't something I was aware of when I watched it. I had to, like, rewatch and be like, that's Kurt? Really? Um, Kurt's character, this is a bit of a spoiler, for No Way Home, he did make an appearance there. So, uh, I wasn't really expecting for him in Peter 1's timeline to be in the episode. So I was very happy. Um, also, the fact I loved that Vision and Wanda were still together despite her being dead. Like, am I a bit perturbed by the fact that he was pretty much corralling Avengers to their base to be consumed? Definitely. Was I kind of touched that he was doing it, even though he has a moral code about protecting humanity? Yes, because it's cute, okay? They're adorable. Um, Bucky presence. Sharon was in this episode. I've spoken how much I love... I've spoken about how much I love Sharon Carter and Emily Van Camp. I'm really glad she's getting more screen time. I love that she's in her villain arc in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And she does die pretty early in the episode, but at least I got to see her. That's all that matters to me is I get to see her. Um, Bucky ends up killing zombie Steve um, and then tells him as he's dying that it's the end of the line. Did I laugh hysterically and rewind? Yes, because it's a fucking savage way to kill your best friend. And he didn't even think it twice about it. He killed him with Steve's shield. So love that for him. Yeah, this episode was just the perfect mix of humor and macabre. Because it was just so weird. Like, but like amazing. At number two, we have What If the World Lost Its Mightiest Heroes. I love a good mystery. Specifically, my favorite genre of anything is murder mystery, which is why whodunits and slasher films are generally my favorite types of movies and books. Um, if you can't guess, I'm a bit of a horror queen and a mystery bitch. Like, those genres are the ones I gobble up with the speed of lightning. Um, and this episode was a murder mystery. The villains, uh, the villain in this was a serial killer. The victims, the Avengers. If I'm correct, the first victim was either Tony or Thor. I'm pretty sure it was Tony. Um, Either way, the killer knows how to kill all the Avengers, and he even gets to Natasha, and that choked me up, because bitch, the fuck, how do you kill the Black Widow? Anyway, 
This episode took a turn I wasn't expecting, because Loki ends up showing up. You would think the implications of the Avengers never existing would be obvious, like you would think Thanos would definitely happen. But one thing I wasn't thinking of was the fact that Loki probably would have ruled the Earth. Like, without the Avengers, their first obstacle was Loki and the Shatari. And there's no Avengers, therefore no obstacle. Which isn't something I was thinking about when I watched it. So when I reached the end, I was reasonably surprised. Also, Coulson was in this episode! I am a diehard Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fan, so seeing Coulson again and just hearing Clark Gregg's voice made my little sad heart leap for joy. Um, the scene where Natasha's asking for the password and he seems so ashamed for his Steve-inspired password is probably one of my favorite scenes out of the entire season. It's so funny. Like, it isn't funny in the sense, like, ah, uh, like, it's, like, intelligent humor. It's just slapstick funny. It makes me giggle whenever I see it. Um, I love the murder mystery element. Was I a little bit left down by the reveal of the killer? Yes. But did it make sense? Hank Pym made sense as the killer. Like, I get that. Um, he was angry about the death of his daughter, Hope. Hope was a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent in this timeline. She was killed in action. And then because Hank can't actually take out an entire organization, he ends up taking it out on Nick Fury by murdering the Avengers. Um, that whole thing made me kind of sad because they the sad part of that is the people involved in the Avengers initiative, they didn't actually do anything that had to do with Hope's death. So he just killed people to get revenge on this one man who probably at that point only cared about them as, like, assets. So, Yeah. I think the worst death in that episode had to be Hulk slash Bruce's because the man exploded and it wasn't quick. Like, he, like, injected him with some sort of poison and he ended up, like, pretty much blowing up. And, yeah. That episode was actually low-key kind of sad. Finally, we have our number one, what if Doctor Strange lost his heart instead of his hands? This one fucking hurts, okay? Steven and Christine aren't a couple that we've gotten a lot of scream time for in comparison to other MCU couples, um, which is something I'm hoping is going to change in Multiverse of Madness. So this episode was like Steve and Christine crumbs for me, and they were scrum delicious, okay? The whole premise of this episode is really morose because it focuses on Steven's desperation to save Christine from death, despite her death becoming a fixed point in time. Um, he ends up, like, killing the Ancient One, I think. He ends up, like, either killing or consuming her, because he ends up consuming a lot of magical animals and, like, gaining their abilities. And, like, he he pretty much just stops becoming human. Like, he's, like, he's completely transformed by this constant pursuit of power. Um, there were certain points in the episode that just, like, completely gutted me. I remember just sitting there and rewinding certain parts while, like, crying in my dorm and feeling destroyed. Um, the one part I remember really distinctly is the very end of the first of that episode where Steven goes back to the loop and he's now completely transformed because of all the work that he's done into trying to get power. And after saving her and trying to protect her because now he has completely destroyed the timeline. Um, so the world's deteriorating. She rejects him. Not only that, she is revolted and dis like terrified of him and what he's done. And the world is now dissolving and he's trying so hard to like save her and she just completely, she disappears in front of his eyes. And he's left alone with his guilt and his misery for what he's done. Uh, the whole episode had to be one of the bleakest out of the entire season. Because it's just like, you can't unburn a house. And that's what he was trying to do. Um, and I'm saying that with the Watcher and the Ultron episodes in mind. Like, Dark and Depressing is my avenue. So I think that's why this one was my favorite. And I also love that they're planning on incorporating these events into the Multiverse of Madness movie. Since Dark Strange is going to be making a appearance there based on what we see in the trailer by the way that movie that movie is going to be my joker 
I probably said that about No Way Home, but this, this, it's this movie. This movie will be my Joker because Wanda villain arc, we have America Chavez, a wedding, like, they're getting married, maybe? I don't know. Like, I, I'm happy about that. Like, yeah. But, yeah, that, those were, that was my ranking of the What If episodes. Thank you guys so much for listening and joining me on this journey. I hope you continue to listen to this podcast. My socials are at GS726 on Insta, at GA.K on TikTok, and G1A on YouTube. If you enjoy listening to true stories and true crime, you can check out my other podcast, We're No Wacky Tales of Gia, where I talk about stories from mythology and true crime cases. COVID is still prominent in the US, so wear masks and stay away from social gatherings. Support the BLM movement by donating to bail funds, signing petitions, attending protests, and spreading awareness. You can also check out uh, how to save, um, not save, protect, how to help Ukraine. I'm gonna put it like that because that situation is very dire. Um, and yeah, this is the Music of Raging Introvert. I'll see you guys next time, uh, next week for a deep delve into whatever I want.